reality is that if we looked around this room today, though we are different, though we look different, though we come from different places, different backgrounds, different colors, different sizes, different shapes, some have hair, some don't have hair, different colors of hair. There's lots about this place and this gathering that could divide us, and yet we all come in here with things in common. And it's this, every single one of us has come in here today with hurts, with baggage, with fears, worries, struggles, things we can't seem to overcome, disappointments. John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. And some of you are saying amen to that. I know that life is hard. It's tough. And yet Jesus does live. He reigns. And sometimes it's difficult for us to bring the two of those things together. I don't think I'm far off by saying every single one of us in here right now, it would not take long for our mind to wonder to something else. For our mind to wonder to a worry, to a concern, to a hurt, to something. And if that's you today, I want to say you're not alone. You're not alone at all in that. The question becomes this, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? And I believe that's where the glory of Easter comes into the picture loud and true in our lives. It's at the point of these hurts and these struggles. Where, to whom are you going to turn when these things strike your life? And what I want us to see today is that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what overwhelms you, no matter what is, is, is standing, is, is crouching at your door, the resolution is one, and it's Easter. The resolution is Easter. And, and the, we live in a world that, that, that loves to say, well, truth is a matter of opinion, and, and, and it may be this for you, and it may be this for me, and it may be this way, and there's lots of roads. I'm telling you, that, that's not true. There's one resolution, and it's Easter. It's Easter. Either either Jesus lives and is the only way to heaven, He's the way, the truth, and the life, or, or, or He died and stayed in that grave, and we're wasting our time. The resolution is Easter. It's not Easter plus something. It's not Easter plus my effort. It's not Easter. It's Easter. It's the fact that Jesus lives. Nobody but Jesus can deal with what you're dealing with ultimately. And He has. And that's why we celebrate today, Easter. We celebrate that Jesus has conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave, and He lives. Therefore, if we have fallen upon Jesus, we too, though we will face trials, will live. All roads do not lead to the same place. 
Victory over sin, victory over your circumstances, victory over this world is found on a very, very narrow road. And the title of that road, the name of that road, bears the name of Jesus alone. Jesus alone. The resolution is Jesus. And I want to show us two reasons today. Two reasons I want to, pro- I want to show. I-, I-, I can't prove it. I, c- I can simply... It's provable. I'm not here to, to prove it as much as I'm here to just explain it because it's a reality. The fact that Jesus is alive is a reality. And I, and I want to talk about the results of Easter today. What did Easter accomplish? And I want to ask you this. Have you applied that to your life by faith? But, but not only that, I want, to, I want to talk about the reaction to Easter. The results and the reaction to Easter real quick because I hear your stomach's grumbling already. I know you're hungry. Most of y'all are here for the pancakes. I get that. I'm not, I'm not foolish. I know. This, this is ugly on my face, not stupid, but this is, you know, I know y'all are here for the pancakes. So, uh, but the question becomes this, what did, what did Easter accomplish? Why is it such a big deal? Why does everything regarding Christianity hinge on this one event, the resurrection of Jesus? And the answer is this, because everything that God the Father and Jesus Christ promised us hinged on the fact that he would be alive. He must be alive to offer what it is that he's promised. Everything about Christianity hinges on an empty tomb. Everything. The resurrection accomplished everything that he promised, and it proved everything. 2 Corinthians 1.21, For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they're yes. Christ is a promise keeper. I mean, think about, think about this just, just for a second. I'm going to throw some verses up, up on the screens real quickly. And all of these, this, this is but the tip of the iceberg of what Jesus Christ offers us. And all of it is dependent upon Him being alive. You see, I, I, we have to get to the point. The, the, the resurrection is absolutely necessary. We as believers cannot balk at that for one second. I don't think the world has any problem with the fact that Jesus died. Where they balk is the fact that he rose from that tomb three days later. And yet everything that we believe hinges on the fact that he rose three days later. And just look with me at, at, at how the, the resurrection affects everything. Look at 2 Timothy 1.10. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life in immortality to light through the gospel. Because Jesus Christ lives, death has been abolished. If Jesus Christ died and stayed in that tomb, guess what? When you and I die as believers, we're going to stay in the tomb. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, then we ought to eat, drink, and be merry, because for tomorrow we die. This is the best it gets. This is not the best it gets, because we have, we have immortality waiting for us. We have eternity waiting for us because of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and following. But when the perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then, then will become about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, death still has his sting. The sting of death is sin, it says. He goes on, if, if Christ was not raised from the dead, then death still reigns then the sting is still in death. He, it wins, but it doesn't win. It doesn't win. 
It's lost it. And there are huge implications to the fact that through Christ, death has lost its sting. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.14. Knowing that he, listen to this, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. First John talks about live in such a way that we will not shrink away at his appearing. There's coming a day when he's coming back to get his bride. That is a reality. And he demands a response. Look at 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We hear that word tossed around a lot. Hope, hope, hope. The reality is, is hope is nothing unless it's founded in somebody who's alive. We have a living hope. We don't just hope in something just nebulous and out there. No, we, we have hope in a risen Savior who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is all-everywhere. That's the kind of hope I want. A risen, living Savior who can do anything that He wants to do, and He cares for us. That's the hope we have. But it all hinges on the resurrection. Matthew 28, 20. Look at, look at Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and to, I, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You lonely today? We have a Savior who says, I'm with you. Forever. That no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter, what, no matter what's brought upon us, we do not walk through it alone because we have a risen Savior who lives. Look at Romans 8.34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father of God, who intercedes for us. Look, Satan stands making accusation against us. And guess what? Satan inter- uh, God intercedes for us. You look at 1 John, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. You have no advocate if he's dead. Satan lives to make accusations against us. And the reality is this, they're true, and yet Jesus Christ approaches the bench and says, Your Honor, I died for that one. Your Honor, Chris deserves death because he's a sinner. I took that, put that on my account. Put that on my account. He lives to make intercession for us. Lives to. Without him being alive, we have no advocate, we have no intercessor, we have no hope, we have no helper, we have no comforter. All those things that Christ offers us, they're all hinge upon him being alive. And the resurrection was, was not an option because look at Matthew, uh, look, at, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 4. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul there says, look... This happened to prove that the word of God was true. It's not optional. If this didn't happen, the scriptures have lied. Paul goes on to say, if this didn't happen, if Jesus Christ is not alive, he says, I'm a liar. And the reality is, I am a liar. If, if, if he is not alive, I'm lying to you guys. And you're lying to others. If you've ever shared the gospel with somebody, then you lied to them. If Jesus Christ is not alive, he's alive. Look at Matthew 17, 22. And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. 
Jesus Christ, the fact that he is alive proves, he goes on, it proves that he, 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 he did not lie to us. He kept his word, that he can be trusted. Jesus told them time and time again, I'm going to be handed over to men, I'm going to die, and three days later, I will rise. The truthfulness of Jesus lies, relies on this point. Look at Romans 1.4. Who was declared, Jesus, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. The resurrection proved that He was God's Son. Proved once and for all that He was God's Son. It proved it. Look at Acts 5.31. He is the one whom God exalted to His right hand as the Prince and the Savior to grant repentance to Israel and to forgive their sins. If Christ is not raised from the dead, look, we're still in our sins. We are still in our sins. All of that and more, that, that's but the tip of the iceberg. It all hinges upon Jesus being alive. And you can think about your own life. No matter, no matter what, no matter all the stuff you've come in here, no matter where you find yourself, what you need is a person. What you need is a person. You don't need a good luck charm. You don't need a cliche. You don't need a rabbit. You don't need any of these other stuff. You need a person. You need a relationship. And what we need is a relationship, not, only, not just any relationship. We need a relationship with somebody who has walked through what we're walking through. We need a relationship with somebody who's been where we've been. We we need a relationship with somebody who has the power to do something about it. And I'm here to remind us and to make it known that that person is Jesus alone. It's Jesus alone. Look look at Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Do you see what we have in Jesus? Do you see why the the fact that He's alive is necessary? We have in Jesus somebody who has walked where we walked and now is willing to walk with us as we face it. But if He's dead, we're alone. I mean, what would He have to offer us regarding what we face? Nothing. But the fact that He's alive changes everything. And we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses and has said, look, I will not only be there, I will walk you through it. I will, I, we will never, ever, ever navigate unfamiliar experiences alone because we have Jesus walking through us, walking through it with us. He's walking through it with us. And listen, the reason why I say this is because being a Christian doesn't mean that we are shielded from troubles. Doesn't it all mean that we're? It doesn't mean that we we won't go through troubles. I mean, as I was preparing this, as I was preparing this, my mind. We have here at this church. We have families who have lost infants. We have people who have lost spouses. We have we have people that have lost siblings. We have people whose family members are gravely ill right now. We have cancer. We have other disease. It, it, it's, it's everywhere. But as a Christian, we face these things the way that no one else faces them. Why? Because we're not alone. Because Jesus lives. And the reality is Easter is, look, 
we have a Savior who has walked through everything that you walk through. And, and the reality is this. Jesus doesn't keep us from struggles and the effects of sin. Instead, He does something even greater. He walks us through those troubles so that we then can walk others through those troubles. So that we can be the light. So we can show forth His character. In this world, you will have trouble. But listen to the rest of this verse. Do not fear, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. His death, burial, and resurrection proves that no matter what we face, He's overcome it. He has taken the sting out of death. We don't walk alone. We don't walk through anything that He has not already faced and defeated. Anyone here feeling abandoned or ever felt abandoned? Jesus knows the feeling. Anybody ever here ever felt betrayed? Jesus knows that feeling. Anybody here ever been spat upon, left for dead? Jesus knows that feeling. Anybody here ever been lied to or lied about? Jesus is familiar. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed? Jesus can sympathize. Anybody here ever been falsely accused? Jesus can sympathize. Anybody here ever suffered because of someone else's sin? Jesus knows that feeling well. And look what he offers us in Matthew 11. In, in all of that, this is what he offers us in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is the invitation. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus stands at the door and says this, Everything that you're going through doesn't have to defeat you. It doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to destroy you. And you don't fight alone. You don't have to fight alone. Jesus says, I have gone through everything you will. I've defeated it. Come with me. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me. I fought the fight. I fought the battle you could never win. I defeated the enemy you could never defeat. Now here's the victor's crown. That's the, the gr glorious truth of Easter. That though we faced an enemy we could never win, though we faced a battle we could never face, which is sin, Jesus faced it for us and He defeated it and then He hands us the crown. He hands us the crown. No matter what we're facing, the reality is we have a Savior who has overcome it and will overcome it. And though we may die here, as we sang, though we may die physically, we will live forever. That's the glorious reality of Easter. And to believe in the resurrection, hear me, to believe in the resurrection is to believe in God Himself. Because if He created the universe in the with the power, and He had the power to do that, He has the power to raise the dead. And He did that. He proved it. He proved it. And it's the resurrection. And, and He did all of that and now he's, he, he makes himself available to walk with us through whatever we're facing. To be available. To, in resurrecting Jesus from the dead, God reminded us that he has absolute sovereignty and authority over life and death. And nothing we will face will compare to what Christ has already overcome. We will never be alone in anything that we face in this life if we're found in Christ. That's the glorious truth of, the, of Easter. That we're not alone. That though we face many trials, though we face many troubles in this life, we know the one who's overcome them all. We, the, the, the point 
the resolution to our struggle, the resolution to what we face here on earth, the resolution to sin and death and struggle and disease and all these things, the resolution is Easter. That was Jesus' resolution. That was God the Father's resolution is, I'm going to give you a risen Savior who has overcome. I'm going to put my son on a cross and have him die where you deserve to die. I'm going to have him walk through everything that you're going to walk through, be tempted in every way that you're going to be tempted, and then I'm going to have him die for your sins because that's the penalty sin demanded, and then I'm going to take him out of that tomb and I'm going to offer the victor's crown to you. That's Easter. That though we face many troubles in this world, we're overcomers through Christ. That the victory is ours. That's Easter. And, and that's, the, that's the reality of Easter. But Easter demands a response. That's the reality of Easter. But, it, but it's not automatic. There's a response. And, and every single one of us in here, Easter demands a response. It demands a response. And, and the results of Easter being applied to your life are based upon a relationship. It's a relationship. And without us coming to Christ in humble repentance for our sin, without us acknowledging all that Jesus did, that, that where we deserve to die, He died, that, that He became sin, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that while we were enemies of the cross, Christ died for us, that He gave Himself up for His enemies, that, that while all that was going on, hear me well, we can make no claim upon any of that until there's a relationship by faith with Jesus Christ. And He's offered that. So, so what's your response to Easter? What's your response? We, we must be in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order for that to apply to our lives. It can. But by faith, we have to enter into a relationship with Jesus. We have to trust in it. You know, I, I'm reminded in John 20 when, when Mary has, has come to the tomb and it's empty and she thinks somebody stole the body and she runs and tells the disciples and John and Peter they run to the tomb together, and, and John, John gets there first. I love how in, in John 20, John makes it very clear twice that he's faster than Peter. I don't know what he's trying to say there other than, you know, pride creeps in in a lot of ways. But uh, no, but he gets to the tomb, and he just glances. It says that John saw the empty tomb. The word saw there means glance. He just took a quick, quick glance at it. Then Peter just rushes in, and it says he saw the empty tomb. The word there is theorize. Peter's looking at the fact that there's an empty tomb. They've run there with the idea that somebody has stolen a body, and yet what he sees bears no resemblance of a tomb where a body has been stolen. The grave clothes are there. It's perfect order. It's not chaos. Everything is there as it was except for one thing. There's no body there. The grave clothes are not in a mess. It makes it very clear. He's theorizing. Hold on. If Jesus' body was stolen, it, it wouldn't look like this. And then John goes in one more time, and it says, John saw and believed. You see, just looking, not sufficient. you got to see and believe. Believe. And we are sinners deserving to die because of our sin, and Jesus died in our place, and then He offers to give us the crown. Have you received that? Will you? That, that's, that's your reaction 
That's your response to Easter. If you're here today and you've only glanced, you, you maybe even you've done more than glance. Maybe you've thought about the reality of the resurrection. I'm here today. I'm praying that you'll walk out of here today believing the resurrection, that that would be your response, that you would believe the resurrection. And, and let me illustrate it this way real quickly. Studies show that from 2005 to 2011, listen to this, $41 billion worth of gift cards went unredeemed. Between 2005 and 2011, 41 billion, with a B, billion dollars worth of gift cards went unredeemed. They were paid for, they were purchased, they were given. The, the power, the, the availability was right there in front of people and they didn't apply it. They didn't take it. The problem was not with the gift card. The problem was not with the amount that was on the gift card. The problem was, 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 was with their response. They didn't use it. And I'm sure all of us are thinking, yeah, that's part of that. I got about $100 of that. You know, they were probably all thinking, I, I got probably a few of those. The power was, the availability was not the problem. Access was not the problem. It was a response. And my, my fear is that's a picture of the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that it's been paid for, but maybe you haven't applied it. In John 5.40, they've seen His works and His miracles, and, and, and John say, uh, Jesus says that they're unwilling to come to Him. What might be keeping you from coming to Him? What might be keeping you from calling upon Him as your Savior? In, in 2 Peter 2.1, it says, In that day many false prophets and teachers arose, and introducing destructive heresies against Jesus. And you know what it says? It says, even denying the master who bought them. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection paid the penalty for their sins as well. They didn't apply it to their life by faith. We must respond to Easter and what Christ makes available. And we respond by faith. We respond by believing. By seeing and believing. But, but not only that... But not only, not only for the non-believer. That may be you and you've never applied Jesus' blood to your life. You've never had your sins forgiven. That might, that might be your response. You see, because Jesus makes it very clear. You're either for me or against me. There's no middle ground. You're either in or you're out. We, we like to make up all kinds of, of, of middle grounds. and all. You're either in or you're out. Maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe for you, the Easter today, the truth is this. That Jesus is alive and you, you've never... You've never applied that to your life. Might that be your reaction to Easter today? That you see and believe for the first time. Because it's not just acknowledging that something happened. Real faith is understanding the divine purpose behind it. That God declared once and for all that Jesus was His Son. That there was a sin problem that all mankind suffered from. And we had, He had to pay the price for that. that that's Easter. It's not just acknowledging something. It's applying it to your life by faith. It's understanding that I was a sinner and Jesus died for me. But, but, but that's, not, that's not the only response to Easter. That's not the only response. Maybe you're here today and you say, I already believe. Well, there's a response as well for you. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Daniel, if you'll put, put that up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Here, here's, here's our response. If you come here today and you say, well, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm saved and, and okay, 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. If you're here today and you say, I already believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, are you immovable? Does that describe your faith? I pray that we would be a people, we would be a church that just doesn't worship the resurrection one day a year. Here's our response. We don't worship just one day a year, the resurrection. Don't let the, re- don't let the worship of Christ be something that we inject into our schedules at specific times and then we live for ourselves the rest of the time. That's not what the people that Christ came to die for. Our worship is to be a whole life commitment, an all-encompassing response to a holy God who put His Son on a cross where we deserve to die, who paid the penalty of sin that we deserve to die. That's the response. You see, our behavior as believers matters. Our lives matter. The gospel is not just something for the non-believing. Every single day, we as believers, we have to go back to the gospel. And we live how we live because of the gospel. Our response to God's grace matters even as believers. God has offered a relationship with us. Are you immovable? He's offered His presence with us. Do you experience it? He's offered promises to us. Do you take hold of them? Do you live by them? He didn't come to save us as a people so that we would sit back and be satisfied that we're eternally secure, but rather that we would manifest His character to a lost world. That's the response to Easter if you're here as a believer today. That we would go off and live radically because we will live eternally. That's the believer's response to Easter. And I appreciate so many of y'all emailed me. I, I encouraged y'all a couple weeks ago to go do something moronic. Go do something for the gospel that's moronic, except for the fact that Jesus lives. And many of y'all did that, so we have a, we have a church of morons, just so you know. We're, we're, but no, I mean, it, was, it was awesome to read these things of what you did. I did a couple of them. It was amazing to see people's responses. But God has commanded that our belief in His death, burial, and His resurrection would change everything about our lives. That we would give up our earthly lives because He's going to allow us to live eternally. That we would give up our earthly lives for Christ. And He says, I'll give you eternity. That's Easter. That's Easter if you're in here and you're not believing. And that's Easter in you're here and you are believing. He did not put, God did not put His Son on a cross that we would just again sit back and be secure. That we would sit back and then live the rest of our lives for ourselves thinking that we're eternally secure. That's not Easter. The resurrection says we cannot live for ourselves. As believers, we no longer have the right to live for ourselves. The resurrection promises me that in Christ I will overcome anything I face. He says live like it. Live like it. The only natural response for a believer in response to Easter is that we would willingly lay down our lives for the Savior who willingly laid down His for us. That's Easter. That we would be so bold. Jesus is saying, look, believer, I've taken away the greatest enemy that you'll ever face. I've taken it away. I've removed it from possibility. Now go live like you can't lose. Go live like you can't lose. That's Easter. But we must make a response. We're brought into a relationship with God through grace. And we live by this same grace. 
Don't take the truths of Easter. Don't take the glorious reality of Easter and sit on it. Let it change your life. You, you look in these Gospels, you see a ragtag bunch of disciples who after the resurrection became just this crazy bunch of guys that just lived for the Lord. And all of them were willing to give up their lives. Why? Because of the reality of the resurrection. I pray that we, because of the resurrection, we would give up our lives. That's Easter. He lives. Because He lives, we live. And He lives through us. Don't, don't let the reality of Easter be something that we celebrate one Sunday a year in, in, in April. Let that reality change everything about us. When we mourn, we mourn with hope. When we suffer, we count it all joy. When we're persecuted because, because of Christ, we know that we're being ushered into a deeper fellowship with Him. When we fight sin, we do not fight alone. When we die, guess what? We gain. That's Easter. That's Easter. That's the reality of Easter for us. And I pray that our response to Easter would be appropriate. That if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you've never had your sins forgiven, in a moment we're going to have a quick invitation that you would do that. That that would be your response. And if you're here today and you say, well, I've already done that, I pray that from here on out you'd live like you can't die. And you'd live like you have a risen Savior who has promised us you will not die. That He is the resurrection and the life. That we would be a people that would give up our lives for Him because He gave up His life for us. That's Easter. Don't sit back and be quiet on the truth and the awesomeness of Easter. Let it change every day of your life no matter what you're going through. May the truth of Easter shine forth bright through your life. And when, when people see us, may they come to this conclusion, God is all over them. God is all over them. Worship, giving your life for Christ. Let us live lives of worship because of what Jesus Christ has done. And not just today, but every day.